Open up your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 19. You're going to say, well, Pastor, man, you skipped some stuff, and I did. Uh, but we're going to come back to some of it tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to be looking at uh, how, how, how the cross brings the church together. Uh, how the cross unites believers of all different personalities and uh, um, backgrounds and cultures and languages. And so we're going to be coming back to that tonight. Uh, but this morning I wanted to jump ahead to a verse. Man, I just think it's a timely verse in, in the life of our church. Uh, this is both one of the most exciting times uh, that I've been. I've been here 13 years. Most One of the most exciting times on Lincoln Avenue and probably one of the hardest times as well. Uh, just because of transition and change and and uh, good growth and just all kinds of things. I, I know it is in my own ministry. And so I, I am happy to bring this passage to you this morning. I, I think this speaks to where we're at. I think it speaks to uh, what needs to happen in, in our lives and in our families, uh, in us as, as, as Christians, okay? Ephesians chapter 3, uh, let's look at, we're going to begin at verse 14. I'm going to read through verse 19. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge." that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, that is our prayer this morning. Uh, God, we pray that you would strengthen us in our inner being, in our inner man. Father, that you'd give us power uh, where we need it most. Lord God, we ask that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that you would, um, you would feel at home in us. Father, we ask that we would be rooted and, and planted and, and founded and built uh, in the love of God. And, and, and Lord, give us grace to love one another. God, help us to, to, be, uh, to be anchored in love as a church. And Father, we, we pray that we might come to know in increasing measure the, the height and the depth and the breadth and the length of the love that you have for us. Father, we know that, that that makes a person strong. And so, God, we want that. And Lord, we ask for that today. We ask for your spirit uh, to give it to us. Father, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you probably noticed as you uh, as I read through that, and hopefully you did, and it's a prayer. It's Paul Paul praying. There's several times. Uh, this is not the first time we, we looked about a month or two ago at at another prayer in the Book of Ephesians at the beginning of the book. But this is a prayer by the Apostle Paul. Okay, so Paul is asking for certain things for his friends, his Christian friends who live in a place called Ephesus, and that's that's why the, the letter is to the Ephesians. All right, that's why it's called Ephesians. So so Paul is praying for his friends here. He's he's 
asking for certain things. And, and the thing that kind of hits me as I, as I begin to look at this is that, you know what, we're not always aware of what we really need. Uh, it, it, it's really kind of a hard thing to know what to ask for, to know that you're asking for the right things, okay? Does that make sense? We don't always diagnose our need rightly. We don't, we don't always have a, have a correct picture in our hearts of exactly what we need and exactly what we ought to be seeking and exactly what we ought to ask for. Uh, that, that's true in a lot of areas of life. I think it's especially true in spiritual life, but, but, but it's even true in just the, the practical parts of our life. This last Wednesday, uh, I got, I got a, uh, an email, I think, from my wife and said, man, I just got home at noon and we don't have any water. You know, she said, it's just a trickle or something wrong. You know, and, and she gave me another email about an hour later saying, we have no water at all, you know. And, and the first thing that's going through my mind is, is a mistake that I made in the fall. And I forgot to, to uh, put a, put a, take our hose off of our, of our front spigot in our house. And, I, and man, January or so, it's all covered with bushes. And, and it wasn't until like January, mid-January that I realized that, that it was still there. And so I took it off, you know, and drained it. It was kind of a nice day. And uh, I think, I, I don't know. Maybe somebody else caught it. But anyway, somehow it got off. And, and, and so it's off now. But, but in the back of my mind, I was always thinking, man, when we turn that on, I hope that doesn't leak, you know, when it, when it all falls out and everything. And, and, and I turned it on a couple weeks ago, and I thought everything was fine. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, we have a horrible leak, you know. I mean, it's going to flood the house. going to flood the basement. So immediately, what I did was I called a plumber, you know. And, and so I called Jeff Wales. And, man, Jeff, can you come by? And Jeff is a great guy. He's like, you know, Pastor, I'll try to get by there. And, and so I'm just thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to try to get this situation and solved, right? And so Emma puts our plight on, on Facebook, and, and, and Ed Laird uh, is, is a friend, and, and so he, he responds on there. He says, man, what's wrong with your water? And so they kind of talk on Facebook a little bit, and then he gives him a call uh, just a little bit ago and says, I, I know what your problem is. He says, you guys haven't paid your water bill, okay? And so, uh, so I immediately run over the checkbook and pay our water bill, and we have water, okay? And now, now the, the reason I want to tell you that story is, is simply this. We had a problem, and, 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 I, and I thought I knew what I needed, but what I needed was not really what I needed. Does that, does that make sense? You know, I thought I needed a plumber. I didn't need a plumber. I needed my checkbook is what I needed, you know? And, and here's the great thing. The resources were already there. You know, I mean, they were in the bank. It, it wasn't that we didn't have the money. We did. We just, I don't know where the bill went. I, I, I can't find the bill to this day. I don't know where it's at. I never even saw it, you know? And I, I just wasn't, wasn't paying attention to the date and didn't get it paid, and, and, and we just missed it, okay? The resources were there. But I was seeking the wrong thing, okay? I asked Jeff later that day. Jeff came to church, and, he, and I asked him, I said, man, Jeff, I said, tell me, that happens all the time, doesn't it, right? You know, that happens all the time. People will call you, and then, and, and, you know, they got you know, and he said, well, you kind of him-hommed around. And, and so I got real specific. I said, Jeff, has that in your 20 years of plumbing, has that ever happened before? And he said, I can't remember, Pastor. I don't think so, you know. <laughs> so I am a trailblazer in a lot of different ways. Here, here's the deal. There's times when, when there's something wrong in our life, right? There's times where, 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 where we got a problem and our life is dry and it's parched and, and joy is not flowing and our, our, our family is thirsty for something. We're thirsty for something. And I wonder if at times we're simply asking for the wrong things. We're asking for a plumber when, when we already have the resources somewhere else to, to get this thing done and to get this thing fixed. And folks, I think that's the truth in a lot of different ways. There's times where, where we're not asking for the right things. We begin to ask that our circumstances be changed or we begin to ask God for more money or a different job or a healthier body. And those are all great things to ask for. I'm not saying you shouldn't ask for those things. You should. But there are times where those aren't the big thing. In fact, those are never the biggest thing. 
Those are never the thing that, that, that's the best thing to ask for. I mean, if you're sick, I want you to ask God to heal you. And if you've got financial problems, I want you to ask God to help you. I mean, we, we ought to do that. Those are good things to do. But, but all the while, we also need to realize none of that is our biggest problem. Do, do you see what I'm saying? None of that is really what we most deeply need in life. And I think what Paul is praying for here in Ephesians chapter 3 Folks, is what we most deeply need. You know, if you could do something for me as, 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 as your pastor, I want you to pray this for me. As we begin to unpack this and unfold this this morning, I want you to take some notes. And, and if, if nothing else, would you pray this for me? Would you pray this for my family? Would you, would you pray this for your family, for your small group? I know many of you have been praying for your small groups now the, the entire duration. And we're almost done with small groups tonight, so last night. But I just wonder if God won't prompt some of you to begin to, to continue to pray for your small group. And if you do, would you pray for for these things, okay? These are the big things in life. Okay? So, so let's look at them, all right? What does Paul pray for? What, what should we ask the King of glory for in our lives? Well, first of all, Paul prays that we would be strengthened with power in our inner man, okay? Now, that's probably a no-brainer. There's probably lots of times when you pray for strength, okay? But I want you to see exactly what Paul prays for. He doesn't pray for physical strength, okay? That, that's something not bad. You should pray for that. But what Paul prays for is even more important. He prays that he would be strengthened, or that they, the Christians in Ephesus, would be strengthened with power in their inner man, in their inner being, is what verse, uh, verse 16 says. Strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, what is your inner being? What is your inner man? Well, it's the opposite, first of all, of your outer man, okay? What your outer man is, is what everybody can see, right? It's, it's your physical body, it's your, your muscles, your appearance, your, your, your resources, okay? Your, your, your outer man is, 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 is your life that everybody can see. Maybe your financial life, your, your, your job life, your position at work, those things that make you who you are, that is your outer man. Listen to what Paul says about that man in 2 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, he says, We do not lose heart, though our outer nature, our outer man, our outer being is wasting away. Our inner man, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. And so Paul talks about the, the outer you, the, the, the part of you that everybody can see, and the inner you. He says the outer you is wasting away. If you haven't figured that out, you're just not very old, okay? But, but the older you get, the older you, the more you, you realize, look, this deal is breaking down, you know? And I, I'm not getting more healthy. I'm not getting more strong. I can't run faster than I, I could when I was 18. You know, I'm running slower. I'm jumping, you know, shorter. I'm, uh, all of those things are true. Our outer man is wasting away. You even begin to realize that financially and, and position-wise. You begin to realize the fleeting nature of this whole outer life. But Paul says, I pray that you'd be strengthened in your inner man, in your heart, in your moral self. The part of you that relates to God. The part of you that people really can't see. You know, I mean, I, I can just look around and, and, and I know that, that, and you know, you, you can say, man, just by looking at you, Pastor, I don't know if you're very strong, but I know you're strong enough to pick up a chair, you know, and, and, and you would probably say that about, no, not, not unless they stick together. But anyway, you, you would say, you know, I, I know you can do that and I can see that you, you know, you're healthy, you probably walk around and stuff like that. But you know what? We have no idea just looking at people, well, how strong they are on the inside, how strong they are in their inner man, the, the part that really matters. How strong are, are we? How strong are they? How strong is your family to, to combat temptation? You see, that comes not... Not from your physical body, but from your inner man. How strong are you to persevere through trial? How strong are you to love somebody who's difficult to love? How strong are you to put to death this junk in your life that shouldn't be there? All of that comes from your inner man. 
That's inside of you. That's a strength from the inside. How strong are you to be able to give yourself to the needy and to let go of your resources to the poor? How strong are you to be able to turn the other cheek and to befriend the friendless and to comprehend the word of God? How strong are you to pray without ceasing and to be patient and to be forbearing and to be joyful through trial? I mean, how strong are you to do those things? You know, you might be able to bench press 350 pounds and you might be able to run a marathon, but that is no indication of how strong you are on the inside, of whether or not you can resist temptation, whether or not you can, you can trust Christ with your anxiety, whether or not you can love the unlovable. Folks, that is inner strength. That, that, that's a strength that comes on the inside. And folks, we desperately need to be strong in the inner man. You know why? Because this right here is where the real battles of life are fought. Are they not? I mean, the stuff that really matters, okay? The stuff that, that really, when, when it's all said and done, it's the thing that's going to matter. The stuff that, that, that you have the capacity to really blow your life and to fail horribly and to ruin your witness and, and to wreck your life. Those things are going to come from how strong you are on the inside. You could be the picture of health on the outside. You could look like you got it all together financially and positionally and job-wise. But if you're not strong in the inside, folks, we'll wreck our lives. And so, so Paul prays. Here's what he prays for his friends. Here's what you ought to pray for your friends. You you don't want to pray for your wife. You don't want to pray for your husband. You don't want to pray for your kids. Hey, man, here's a great start right here. God, I ask that by your spirit, you would strengthen them with power in their inner being. Notice, strengthen. Give power. What what, what does it mean to strengthen? It means, strengthen means you, you have the ability to do something hard, right? I mean, that's what strength does. Man, are there not a lot of hard things in the Christian life? Have you noticed that? I mean, I mean, it's hard to go against the flow of the world. It's hard to forgive when you've been hurt. It's hard to say no to the flesh. It, it, it's, it's hard to do those things. And Paul is praying that, that we would be strengthened in the inner man, that we would have, have the ability to do hard things. To, to strengthen means to, to, to carry something heavy. Okay, so, so Paul is, is praying that we'd be able to carry the, the difficult loads, the burdens, the, the, the struggles of life. That we'd be able to press on, persevere for a long time. That we'd be able to endure something painful. That, that's strong, isn't it? When you're strong, you can endure something painful. And, and so Paul is praying, God, strengthen them in, in the inner being. Give them power in their inner man. And folks, how, how do we get strong like that? I, I mean, notice what Paul's doing. You know what? We don't get strong that way any way other than from God. That comes from God. And so we got to ask. We got to ask. You know, some, sometimes stuff like that just seems even silly to say, you know? But let me tell you, that's not silly, is it? Did you ask for that this morning? <laughs> yeah, maybe you did. I hope you did. But did you? Did, did you? Have you asked for that for your family today? Have you asked that, 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 that your husband, your wife, your, your family, your church, your small group, your pastor? Have you asked for that? Have you asked for that this week? Man, I hope you have. But, but have you? We, 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 we can't just assume that we're all doing that because I don't, I don't really think we are. Have you asked this week, have you asked this month that, 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 that we'd be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in power? Folks, prayer is the way that we get power. 
If you find yourself to be weak in faith, if you find yourself to be powerless in certain areas of your life, you find yourself, you're struggling to love people, you're struggling to to persevere, you're struggling to do the right thing, you're struggling to read your Bible. Anybody got that problem? Man, you, you struggle to be in it. You struggle to be at church. You struggle to have joy. Man, you know what? You need to pray. You need to ask God. God, give me strength in the inner man. You know why? Because we're not going to get that any other way. You know what? We're not going to get that through medicine. We, we can't go to the doc and say, man, you know what? I don't, have any, I don't have any power against temptation. Is there a drug for that? You know, is, is there something? You, can you give me an injection? Is there a cream, you know, that will make me strong to, to fight against temptation? That will make, make me be able to carry this hard thing in my life? That will make me be able to persevere? That will make me be able to go against the, the, the flow of the world? There, there's not a medicine for that. And, and you know what? It, it, laying around your recliner doesn't help either. A lot of times those are the things we try, right? We're like, man, I, I just need to lay down. I just need to be in my recliner. I just need to watch TV. You know what I've found? Watching TV never makes me strong on the inside. It just doesn't. It does. It doesn't work. You know, a lot of times we go through Dairy Queen. You know, we, we, we go to, through the drive-thru and we think, man, a blizzard will make me better. You know, and, and sometimes there's a little bit of, of just distraction or relief there. But you know what? Blizzards don't make you strong on the inside. They don't. Vacations don't. Going to Boeing Springs to watch it. Those things don't. No, no. The, uh, listen, okay, let, let me just clarify here. You know what? If, if you're praying in your recliner, okay, that may work, all right? Or, or if you're getting a Dairy Queen blizzard to go out to, to Boiling Springs and get out on your face and ask God to strengthen you in the inner man, well, that may be okay. If you're going on a vacation or a retreat to plan and pray and read the scriptures, okay, that's good. But what I'm saying is we don't get this kind of strength any other way than from the Spirit of God, than from asking and asking, and seeking, and coming to Him. You know, ask yourself this question, what do I pray? Do I pray more about my outer man or my inner man? You know, as I, as I look at my family, do I pray more about my, my kids' outer circumstances? You know, what they're doing, and what they're in, and how they're succeeding, and what kind of grades they got? Or do I pray for their heart? Do I pray that they would be strengthened in the inner person of the heart? The inner man. Folks, ask for that. Pray that the Holy Spirit would give strength in the inner man. And you know the cool thing about that? Man, God has no lack of resources. You know, isn't that great? I mean, notice what this says. And we, we've, we've gone over similar points uh, uh, in the last couple of weeks in Ephesians. But, but notice what he says in uh, verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. According to the riches of his glory. God is rich. You know, we talked about that over in chapter 1. God is rich. He is rich in mercy, rich in power. He's loaded. God God is loaded with all of the manifold perfections of life. God has plenty, okay? And so we should not not have any qualms about coming to Him and asking for it. You know, when, when, when you know that somebody doesn't have much, you know, have you ever needed something from somebody, but you know they're maxed out on time? I mean, they're snowed over. They're they're time poor. They don't they don't have any time. They don't have any resources. You know, and they're just they're just barely hanging on. Do you, do you feel good about going to them? You know, do you feel good about saying, "Hey, I need something from you as well." You know, I need some of your time. I need some of your resources. You don't feel good about that, do you? You don't. Nobody wants to ask somebody who's already maxed out. Hey, let me just tell you, God's not maxed out. Isn't that cool? I mean, He's not. He is rich. Paul wants us to know that He is rich in everything that you need. He has plenty asking come to him ask him for strength to to empower you in the inner man 
Now, what else does this look at? Well, let's, let's sort of go on, but really we're not going on. Uh, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being. Now, the next thing he says in verse 17, look at it. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, a lot of people may look at that and say, okay, so, so we're first of all supposed to ask for strength in our inner man. And then we're supposed to get, you know, for Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. I don't think that's what Paul is saying. I don't think that's the construction even of the, of the grammar there. I, I think this is really a, a different side of the same thing. Okay, you know, it's like, it's like a precious jewel. You know, you look at it this way and you turn it a little bit. It's the same thing, but, but it's a different facet. It's a, it's a different angle. And, and so what I'm saying here is I think what Paul is saying next, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I think that's the same thing as being strengthened in the inner man, okay? Now, maybe not exactly the same facet or exactly the same angle, but I think it's the same result, okay? When Christ dwells in your heart by faith, you're strong, okay? When, when He's permeating every area of your heart, every area of your life, you, you become strong in your inner man, okay? So, so Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith is to be strengthened in the inner man. To be strengthened in the inner man is for Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay? It's different facets of the same great thing. Okay? Uh, now, now, again, I don't, I don't think Paul is praying that you would be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now, why do I not think that? Well, because the Bible says that every born-again believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. As soon as you come to know Christ, as soon as you place your faith in Jesus, as soon as you're born again, you, you are indwelt by the Spirit of God, and He stays there until glory. He's going to take you all the way. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. If you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, then you're not a Christian, okay? You, you may have made a profession, you may have prayed a prayer, but you're not a believer. So, so every born-again believer has the Spirit of God dwelling in him, in you. So why does Paul pray for Christians to, to, to have Christ dwell in their hearts through faith? Well, I think it's the word dwell, okay? The word dwell can mean to come to dwell, but it can also mean to take up residence, to, uh, to be comfortable in, to kind of set up shop, all right? I mean, I mean, there's a difference between you being in this room Right? You're, you're dwelling in this room right now. Okay? But in another sense, you don't live here. Right? You know, I mean, if y'all came in with, 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 you, with your bed and your, your snacks and, and your nightlight and your jammies and, and your, uh, your remote control, okay, that would be a different thing. Right? You'd, you'd be in the room as well, but it would be a different kind of dwelling. Right? It would be a more intense dwelling. It would be a more permeating dwelling. Okay? And so I believe what, what Paul is saying here is similar to what Jesus said in John 15. When he talked about the branch and the vine, let me read that to you. John 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides, you see that word abide? That, that word means to dwell, okay? Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Look down at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus is pleading with us to, to, to abide in Christ, for Christ to abide in us, for his word to abide in us. It, it's a word that means to make yourself at home somewhere. And, and so, so Paul is praying for his, his friends here. And he's praying, first of all, God, strengthen them in their inner being. Second of all, God, I pray that Christ would be at home. He would dwell. Does that make sense? At home in their hearts, in your heart, through faith. What, what does it mean to be at home somewhere? What does that mean? What, what makes you feel at home somewhere? A couple things I thought of. You, you feel at home when you're wanted, don't you? When you feel wanted. I mean, have you ever, have you ever showed up someplace and you really felt wanted? 
I mean, isn't that a good thing? People were like, oh, come in, come in, come in. Oh, let me show you this. And hey, stay for dinner. We want you. We got plenty. No, you're not leaving. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, that's a good thing, isn't it? You know, I mean, when someone really, you can tell they want you there. You know, but we've also been places before. This usually happens where like you're connected to somebody and that somebody is going to be somewhere and they can invite you. And so you, you're going to this person's house, but they really don't. Have you ever had that situation before? And, and everybody's kind of looking at you like, why are you here exactly? And who are you? You know, and, and they're friendly and polite, but you really don't feel like, you know, just being there. You, you know what I'm saying? You know, you just don't feel like, man, am I really wanted here? Is this, is this really okay that I'm here? Okay. So, so you feel wanted. Uh, when you, when you get access to a place, you know, have you ever been somewhere and you just, someone just gave you the run of it, you know, I mean, they're just like, Hey, you, you just go where you want. Yeah, everything's yours. Whatever you need, you know, take the car, you know, whatever. You ever been to a place like that? And, and we've also been to places though. We, we were a place one time we stayed the night, one night at a place where when we got there, the host gave us a tour of the house and told us where we could go and where we couldn't go. You know, it was like, okay, you can go here, but I don't want anybody here, you know, and the kids, none of the kids can be in here, you know, and, and we've got all these places. It's not very comfortable to be there, especially when you got five kids because you're trying to look at everybody. Okay, is everybody where they're supposed to be and not supposed to be? Are they in the restricted areas? You know, I mean, that's just not a comfortable thing, you know. And, and so, so, so when we're given access to the place, when we're given detention and honor, you know how great it is to be somewhere where somebody's like, man, what can I do for you? What do you need? You know, are you got something to drink? Are you comfortable? Do you need a chair? Do you need a blanket? You giving attention, honor? Okay. Now listen, apply that to Christ, all right? So what, what does that mean? What does that mean here, okay? Look, look, at, um, look, at, look at the verse again, verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, okay? So Paul is praying that Christ would dwell in our hearts. So what does that mean? That means Paul is praying that, that Christ would feel wanted. Paul is, is praying that Christ would be given access to, to, to our hearts. Christ is, he's praying that Christ would, would, would be given attention and honor in our hearts, Okay, now how does that happen? Well, here's the cool thing. He answers it for us. Look at, look at your text. Okay, look at your text. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? How does Christ dwell in your hearts? How does he abide in there? What does it say? Through faith, right? Isn't that cool? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Faith makes Jesus feel wanted in your life. Isn't that great? Well, what is faith? Faith is when we treasure Christ. Faith is when we say, Jesus, I believe you're the bread of life. And I believe that you're the fountain of living waters. And I believe that that you're the way and the truth and the life. And I believe that you're my light and my shepherd and my exceeding joy. And I want you. I I mean, that's what faith says, isn't it? Faith says, Jesus, I believe those things about you and they draw me to you and I want you and I, I, I need you. I want, I want you in my life. Okay? So for Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith means that, that we have a heart that says, Jesus, I want you. I want you in my heart. It means that, that Christ has given access to your life. Okay? You know what? Faith says, Jesus, I trust you. And because I trust you, you can be in the closets and you can be in the entertainment room. And Jesus, you take up shop wherever you want in my life. You take it up in the bedroom and you take, you take up place in the, in the living room and you take up place in the kitchen and you take up place in the garage and you got the shed and you got the yard and, and you, got, you got the toy room, you got the kids' room. Jesus, I want, I want you everywhere. There's no place you can't go in my life. That's faith, isn't it? Faith says, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. And, and because I trust you, 
I want you to be a part of my marriage and you be a part of my parenting and you be a, you be a part of my relationships and my friendships. You, you, be, you be a part of every, everything in my life. Faith means we give honor and attention to Christ. Faith says, Jesus, you're first. I honor you. I glorify you. I worship you. You know what? Christ is not comfortable in a heart full of anxiety. You ever thought, let, let's switch around. What makes Jesus not at home in our hearts? I, I think anxiety, first, why do I say anxiety? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching about anxiety. And he says in verse 28, he says, Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he finishes it with this. Oh, you of little faith. Okay? So he said, man, you're, you're anxious. You're full of worry. You're full of all just bent up on the inside. And then he says, you're of little faith. Okay? So that, what that means to me is that anxiety and faith don't, don't mesh, do they? And so, so for Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith... Part of that means that we, we don't live in anxiety. We don't live, we don't live in, in a heart of worry. Folks, Christ is not comfortable dwelling in a heart of anger or a heart of unforgiveness. I don't think I need to show you verses about that, do I? Christ is not, he's not comfortable in dwelling in a heart full of idols. You know, if you've got other things in your life that, that take the affection and the honor and, and, and the love away from Jesus, man, how can Christ be comfortable there? How, how can Christ be comfortable in a, in a home where, where his bride, where his bride, where his church is committing spiritual adultery? He can't be. He won't be comfortable there, okay? He, he won't be at home there. And, and, and folks, when, we're, when our hearts are unhospitable to Jesus, we are weak. Let's bring it back to the first prayer. Paul prays, God, strengthen them in the inner man that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. When, when we are unhospitable to Jesus in our hearts, that makes us weak. When, when we have not given him access, when we don't desire him, when, when we don't honor him, that makes us weak on the inside. Weak against temptation. Weak against to carry burdens. Weak to say no to the flesh. Weak to love those who are difficult to love. Folks, if we need strength, we need to ask the Father. Ask him. Ask him for inner strength. Ask him that Christ would dwell in our hearts through, through faith. Now, notice the next part of this prayer. Let's keep going. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is all Paul's prayer. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in... Notice what's next. In love. He prays that you be rooted and grounded in love. That you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled up with the fullness of God. If I could just summarize all of that. Paul prays, the next thing he prays for, and this is what I want you to pray for your church family, for your, your small group. God, let us be saturated and rooted and grounded in love. Okay? In love. Okay? And there's several reasons for that. We're going we're gonna to get to it. But let's talk, first of all, okay, what kind of love? Is it, is it our love for God? Is it, is it God's love for us? Is it our love for other believers? Is it our love for our family? Listen, I don't think you can separate it out. I don't think there's any way to, to pull it apart and say, well, well, what he means is just this. No, I, I think he's talking about all of it. He said, I want you to be rooted, grounded, your foundation to be love because all of that affects everything else, okay? Your love for God affects whether or not you love people. If you love people, that's the way you love God. Isn't that what the Bible says? By loving your neighbor, by loving your brother, you are loving Jesus. You are loving God. You can't, you can't pull that apart. You know, some people want to say in their life, well, you know, I, I, I do a good job loving God, but I just don't love others very well. No, that's wrong. That's a lie. 
You're lying to yourself about yourself, okay? Because if you're not loving others well, you're not loving God. That's what the Bible clearly says. First John 3 says, if you, don't, if you hate your brother, you're not loving God. You don't love God. Okay, and so, so Paul is praying here, God, he's praying, God, give them a heart that is grounded, that is founded in love. Love for God, love for others, love for, 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 for Jesus in realizing his love for us. Okay, give us hearts that are grounded in love. And when we do that, folks, when, listen, when we love other people, that, that enables us not only to love God, but also to understand God's love for us. Let, let, me, let me prove that to you. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. I'm going to read several verses here. And, and as I read them, just think about in your mind the connection between our love for others and our understanding God's love for us. The connection between our love for God and our love for others. Okay, there's all kinds of connections here. Are you ready? ready? Listen up. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another... For love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Okay, so draw a line there. Connection between loving others and knowing God. Okay, verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God. There it is again. If you don't love, you don't love your brother. You don't, love, you don't know God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made known or manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. There's a connection between God's love and our love for others. No one has ever, who has ever seen God. But if we love one another, if I love Andrew, okay? If I love my family, if I love Tony, look what it says. If we love one another, God abides. There's the word again. Dwells. Man, you see how this is all connected? God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. Okay, so, so what, is, what is Paul praying for? Paul is praying that we be people of love. That we love, our, we love our church, that we would give ourselves practically to people, that we'd build Christ-centered relationships. And as we do that, as we do that, listen, we come to know God's love for us in increasing measure. Okay, This is how the passage ends. All right, There's this connection between our love for others, our love for Christ, and us understanding God's love for us. Let, let me read it to you. Verse 18 that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So you, you say, okay, pastor, I, I already got that. I already know that Jesus loves me. How many of you would say, I already know that. I, I know that Jesus loves me. I bet everybody. You know, you, you'd all say that, wouldn't you? But here's the cool thing. You do not know that in the fullest measure. Does that make sense? Yeah, because Paul says you can't, that you can't, you can't ever get there. You can't ever get it all. There's too much of it to get. There's too much of it to ever get. You, you can't. Verse, verse 19 says, uh, to, know, or to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, okay? You don't know the breadth of his love. You don't know how deep his love runs for you. You don't know how high his love takes you. You don't know the lengths to which his love goes. You can't ever know it all. That's what verse 19 says. You can't ever get to the end of it. You can't ever know all of it. You can't ever be completely saturated, convinced with all of God's love because there's too much of it. For all eternity, you'll never get to the end of how much God loves you. And I want you to notice again in this passage, inner strength, okay, you being strong on the inside is directly connected 
to your understanding of God's love for you. Do you get that? The more you understand how much God loves you, the stronger that you are on the inside. That's a big deal. We get that maybe a little bit just just on a, on a human-human relationship, don't we? Uh, I, I know this. In 19 years of marriage, I've never, I've never doubted that my wife loved me. I've never said, you know, I don't, I don't think she loves me. I, I never doubted that. There are many days, though, and she would say the same thing, that, that I might not be experiencing to the fullest her love for me. Does that make sense? She may be somewhere. I may be here over here. She's doing this. I'm doing this. We don't even see each other till night. You know, so it's, there's, there's not a, 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 an experience of that love, okay? But there are other times, you know, we got away last, last Sunday and got to do some planning and praying and reading and, and just looking at, at the future and ministry of Lincoln together. And, man, I mean, we just had, we had an incredible day of, of just loving each other, you know, and, and loving the Lord. And, and there are those days where, man, I, I, I'm filled up. You know, with, with, with her love for me. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. Maybe it's not true for you, but it is for me. When I am filled up with my wife's love for me, I'm stronger on the inside. Isn't that kind of weird? I mean, I got more joy. I have, I, I have, I have kind of more, more excitement about the future. I've got more hope, okay? It's just simply the love of this lady in my life makes me stronger, makes, makes me better, okay? Now, if that is true, if that is true on a human relationship then how much more true is it when we understand the love that an eternal, almighty God has for us? How much more is that going to change you? Okay, Listen, listen to 2 Corinthians 5.14. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Paul says, man, the love of Jesus has got me. I mean, him loving me, that, that love between me and Jesus, it, it says it's got me. Folks, comprehending God's commitment to you that he would place his son in front of the bullet of his wrath to save your life, to save your eternity. That, that, that God would, his affection toward you would move him to join you to Jesus, to, to, to take your sins and put them in Christ so that you would be pure, so that you would be holy, so that you would be righteous, so that he could place you in a place where he would dump his kindness for all eternity on you. That's the kind of commitment. That's the kind of affection that God has for you. And trying to get our heads around that, folks, we'll never get to the end of that. That God would commit. Here's what Romans 8 says. That God would commit to work every hard, difficult struggle in my life. That God would say, Jason, I'm committing to you. That I'm going to work that out for your good. For for eternal good. Romans 8, 28. What does it say? Uh, God, God works all things together for good to those who love him. Those who are called according to his purpose. Man, that, that's the kind of commitment God has to me and to you. Folks, that is life-changing. If you, if you don't feel that today, if, if in your mind, are there days when you just kind of doubt? Man, I, just, I don't know that God loves me. I don't, know that he's, I don't know that he's for me, you know? I don't know that he's behind me. I don't know that he's really working. I don't know that, that he's really, you know, he's really behind me. If you have those days, I bet you'll raise your hand and you'll agree with this. You're weak on those days, aren't you? Man, you're weak. You're weak to your your joy is weak, your strength is weak, your your power against sin is weak, your your power against temptation is weak. 
But folks, when we are convinced of God's love for us, we are transformed in incredible ways. Notice where this ends. We're not going to have much time to talk about this, but verse 19 says, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. there's There's where Paul wants us to be. That's the end product, okay? That we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Notice, he doesn't say be filled with money. You see, sometimes we just have the wrong, we got the wrong goal, you know? He doesn't say you'll be filled with ease. He doesn't say you'll be filled with comfort. He doesn't say you'll be filled with, uh, you know, an easy life or a life of fame or a life of position or power. The reward is you'll be filled up with God. That's a transformational thing, okay? To be filled up with God. You know why? Because what's God full of? Well, we just learned it just a minute ago, didn't we? According to the riches of His glory. God's full of glory, okay? God is full of glory. God is full of of mercy and peace and joy and faithfulness and justice and righteousness. God God is full of all of that. And so for us to be filled with the fullness of God is for us to be filled with that. Okay? It's for us to be satisfied with God. Satisfied with who He is. Man, church, we need this. We need this. But I am convinced we will not have it if we don't ask for it. We, just, we won't, okay? We won't. Let's go the other way. We walk out of here and we just, we're not going to, we're just going to go. We'll eat, watch some sports this afternoon, see who won the marathon, go to bed, go back into our routine. Man, we won't have, we won't have this because <laughs> we don't get this unless we ask, unless we come passionately, consistently, fervently. Asking God for the best things. This is the best thing. That we'd be strengthened in our inner man through the Spirit of God. That that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. That we'd be rooted and grounded in love. That we'd be able to comprehend in increasing measure. We'll never get it all, but more tomorrow than we do today. How much God has committed to us. We need that. We need that so that we can be strong. Father, we ask you, God, to give it to us, God. We ask you, God, to give us strength. God, to give us power in our inner man. God, we ask you to, to root us and ground us in love for one another, in love for our church, in love for the people of God, in love for the lost. God, in love for our families. God, we ask you, God, that, that Christ would, would find a, a place in our hearts that, that, that is hospitable. God, that we would, we would want him, that by faith we would, we would treasure him, we would we'd give him access to everything in our life. God, that we would we'd be filled with the fullness of God. Father, please give us that today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.